welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. I'm filling in for Joan Hogan, who is on vacation. I help with fundraising efforts for the Healing Words Foundation, which is the nonprofit organization that supports this radio program, on call with the Prairie Doc Television on South Dakota Public Broadcasting, and other efforts to provide honest, science-based medical information. So with us today is Dr. Rick Holm, and Dr. Holm and I will be happy to discuss the medical issues of interest to you. You can give us a call at 692-1430, 692-1430. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine, and he has worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm. Good morning, Laura. And, you know, I am also a partner in crime with your husband, uh, Andrew Ellsworth, MD, uh, family medicine physician, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's been a great honor and a joy. Um, So uh, this is, uh, Joan is coming back. She is. She just gets a couple, she she just gets some time off, which is good She gets a little time off, so this is great fun. This is... This is the first time that you've been the host? Well, it's my first time with you. I have done it with Dr. Johnston. I think oh. a time or two now. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so when you guys so are gone in January. Yeah, I might want to have you fill in, in there yeah, in January, you know. Absolutely. So, this is great fun. Yes. Well, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that tomorrow Maggie Callanan is coming from Connecticut, who is mm-hmm. the world renowned author of uh, uh, the book called Final Gifts which is all about hospice care and end-of-life care. And uh, she is going to be providing <coughs> the, um, Im- the uh, uh, conference tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's open to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts at 1230, and I'll give the noon uh, meal remarks. And then Maggie will do an afternoon uh, uh, presentation uh, and feedback, and uh, there'll be a panel. And that'll be done about four, I would expect. Okay. And then tomorrow night, she's on our show. Yes, excellent. Yeah, that it sounds like a great way to kick off our new season. Our new season. The Prairie Doc. So it's interesting that the book is winding up, and I'm getting close to the end of, or getting it to where it'll be available on Amazon. Actually, there was a fleeting moment where it was available, and then it <laughs> went away again because there was a few mistakes that Barb Anderson wanted to change. Gotcha. Uh, you know. Uh, but uh, it'll be back by tomorrow night. I'm thinking that we can order books. Okay. Uh, but then we'll be doing book signing throughout Brookings for, for a month or so. Excellent. And um, well, if But Maggie if really helped me with this. That's what I, I brought that up. I mean, mm-hmm. I called Maggie and said, well, I'm trying to do a book. You know, you've done a book. And mm-hmm. uh, she's done two. And so she's been a lot of help with this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, if people are interested in keeping track of when that book is going to be available, they can follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook. And right. I know we're going to be posting on there, and I'm sure we'll do announcements here on the show and television too. So yes. it's coming. We're all excited. We know you've been working really hard on that. So. It, well, I've, I know that I've worked very hard. That's an absolute truth. <laughs> yes. Whether it's a very good book or not is another story. <laughs> well, I, I think it is. We'll um, see. We're, I think we're going to take our, our first break, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, So following these words from Avera Medical Group Brookings, Dr. Holm and I will be happy to discuss the medical issues of interest to you. Give us a call at 692-1430. 
Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I'm Laura Ellsworth filling in with Joan Hogan. Dr. Rick Holm is here in the studio with us, and we'd love to take your questions. Give us a call at 692-1430. 692-1430. And that, you know, that's 1430 is the AM channel that you have to dial to, you know, of course. And uh, uh, questions are really what makes this more fun yes. so, so give, give us, us think of any medical problem that you have seen or you've thought about or you've been concerned about and we'll direct our answers to that yes well before our break we were talking a little bit about um tomorrow's big day with maggie callanan and i did check and there are still a few spots available if anyone is interested in attending the afternoon conference tomorrow and that um, if you are interested you can just call the brookings hospital at 696 8090-696-8090. And there are a few spots yet for that. So if that's something you're interested in, um, they ask that you just be sure to call today so they can plan on you for food and all of that. So so we've got, I think, 65, 75 people uh, going to show. Uh, and it's kind of fun to, to, uh, th- to have this person highlighted in our community. She's a special uh, person. She's well known and a renowned speaker yeah uh, and so that's we, great we like that excellent well we did get a couple of um, questions that have come in so thank you for giving us those um, our first one is what is a fistula what's what's what? the cause the care concerns okay so, so what you, is it first do you uh, i'm since you're married to a physician do you know what fistula stands for what the latin word fistula means do you have I any do not idea? no it means pipe so it's a tube uh so the uh, classic fistula is an anal fistula for example where uh, there has been uh, a an infection and it erodes and it and usually uh, and we see pretty common uh, fistulas around the anus and the fistulas go into the small uh or into the uh, rectal area so that it's a pipe that comes out through the skin. Another fistula would be a person who has an abdominal surgery, appendectomy, right? And they have uh, a ruptured appendix. So there's an infection within the abdomen. The body walls it off, and here's a little ball of infection, and it's trying to find a way out. And it, it finds its way out through a tube to the abdominal wall, and it drains. Hmm. You, the classic one that's easier than anyone is the... the uh, a person who has a, a large boil or a pimple, and the boil makes its way out, and then it opens, and there is a fistula where there's a tube from the outside into the abscess and the, so that the abscess can drain out. <coughs> so fistula means pipe. Okay. And what do you do for it? What you really want to do, and the common scenario is if, if it is to an abscess, that you open it enough to drain the abscess, and you tr- want to um, uh, bring the abscess out so that it's completely out. Um, uh, commonly, uh, I will take, a, if, if I see a person who has a, a boil, for example, or a, an infection that's starting, and even if there is a fistula already there, I will drill down with a skin biopsy tool, sometimes a pretty wide tool, and uh, I mean, a, 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 opening 
uh, perhaps uh, the half the width of your finger or a third or mm. a quarter of the width of the finger, uh, fingernail, uh, so that you have a hole that's wider than a tiny little drainage spot, a big drainage spot, and it allows that abscess to just kind of open itself to the outside and then in, and your, your healing process will close, it off, uh, close off the, the um, opening <coughs> uh, without the abscess uh, still alive underneath. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's, a, that's an issue that needs to be brought to the physician. An antibiotic usually is not a good treatment. It needs surgery. It needs a mm -hmm. knife okay. uh, or maybe a biopsy tool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So that's something if you feel like you may be having those symptoms or might be having a fistula, you should get in right away. Is that mm -hmm. accurate? I yeah. think that uh, getting in, uh, if it's a large one, certainly uh, get in. Uh, uh, our surgeons are, you know, adept at handling this and, and mm -hmm. fixing it. Mm -hmm. You can do it with a skin biopsy tool. You can do it with a knife and you do an X. Uh, you can uh, go in and remove the abscess and then close the skin over it. Uh, there's a variety of ways of doing it. Okay, great. Thanks for the question. And thanks for the information, Dr. Holm. We have another question um, asking about floaters in the eyes. How serious is that? So it's really common. Mm -hmm. And it's a result of um, the, the sac that holds the fluid within the eyeball. Um, uh, it's called the vitreous humor. And this sack of fluid, which is made up of, you know, um, a thin, a relatively thin fluid or a, a thin gel mm -hmm. that we're born with. And that sack of fluid is part of what the, uh, the light travels through, right? And it's kind of, uh, co it's connected uh, to the back of the retina as well as all around the eye. So it's a sack of fluid that's there. It's the vitreous humor, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's not meant to be funny. There's nothing humorous about that. It's just the vitreous humor. Mm -hmm. Humor meaning fluid, actually. Okay. That's interesting. So <clears throat> when you get to be about 60, 55, 60, mm -hmm. that sac, which is connected to the back of the retina, sometimes will, will break free from the retina. And, it, uh, and then you have this sac floating around here that is not... Uh, perfectly translucent. I mean, it, it doesn't, uh, it gives you aberrancy in your vision, and you'll see these floaters, part of the sac that's kind of let go of the back of the retina. The majority of time, you know, the vast majority of time, it is something that will go away, or you'll get used to one or the other. Okay. Or it will just kind of self-absorb. When uh, the sac it detaches in all of the spots, but doesn't detach at the focus of your vision. Sometimes that can, uh, that can destroy the focus of your vision. And so they go in and they remove the sac called the vitrectomy. Um, and then that vitrectomy, uh, they fill that f space with saline, you know, mm. just simple salt, salt water. Okay. Uh, and then you, don't, you no longer have the, the floaters. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are starting to experience floaters, haven't before, is it important to get in and see your physician or an eye doctor or? Well, he here's, here's a typical floater. You can go into your eye doctor and the eye doctor will go, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. That will be $10, please. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, or whatever it is. Uh, yes. 
you know, don't worry about it. That's the majority of time that you'll hear. Even when there is uh, some aberrancy of your vision, uh, most of the time they're going to give you some time. Mm-hmm. Let it be. Let's watch and wait. I don't want to do a vitrectomy because the vitrectomy has the side effects of bringing on uh, uh, the the need for an earlier cataract surgery and bringing on the need for glaucoma treatment and bringing on the need for, you know, a lot of problems from the vitrectomy itself. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to do a vitrectomy just to get rid of floaters. Mm-hmm. Not worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, on the other hand, uh, floaters that have flashes of light or uh, vision changes or uh, more permanent uh, problems that are progressive, uh, you need to do to get in for that pretty quick because that can be a detached retina. Mm-hmm. Now, what they do for those is they go in and they spot weld uh, the the retina which is being coming detached uh, and separated uh, and they will spot weld it so it uh, the detached retina uh, doesn't occur now mm-hmm. that's it's related to the vitreous separating but it's different mm-hmm. so when, when you see flashes of light you want to make sure that you go in and that's be seen that's time soon. sensitive isn't it yes. yes my my dad had a detached retina issue and, and so yes. did my dad yes we so. must be related there you go <laughs> yes so very good um all right so that's the information about floaters so thank you for the calls about each of those topics if we have additional questions please give us a call at 692 one four three zero. Following these words from a very medical group, Brookings, Dr. Holm and I will be happy to discuss the medical issues of interest to you. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in for Joan Hogan. Dr. Rick Holm is here in the studio with us, here to answer your questions. You can give us a call at six nine two one four. We had a question emailed into us asking us, what are the symptoms of Lyme disease? Okay, so Lyme is not L-I-M-E, it's L-Y-M, maybe E. Lyme, it's, it's, it's uh, named after Lyme, Connecticut, or New Lyme, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And it was there that a, uh, a very attentive mother noted in her child and her children's friends that they were all getting arthritis that had been called uh, childhood rheumatoid arthritis and that's not right that all of a sudden you had a little epidemic of childhood rheumatoid arthritis Uh, and they had all been playing in the woods and they all had exposures to ticks and uh, an infectious disease specialist from the University of of, uh, Connecticut no, or maybe it was Massachusetts. Well, Connecticut, Massachusetts, same thing, right? <laughs> uh, it uh, came down to uh, to uh, study this uh, this epidemic of arthritis in these children, and really c- realized that there was an infection that was running through their systems, a kind of a syphilis-like Borrelia uh, spirochete type of an illness. And so they did check the ticks, and they found that the ticks also had this Borrelia spirochete 
Uh, and the ticks that carried it are called Ixodes damines. It's a type of, of, a, of a tick that carries Lyme disease. And uh, it's interesting, you see it in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and you hear it, see it in all of these wooded areas. Uh, you don't see that tick commonly in South Dakota, however. Mm. It seems to come right up to the Minnesota border and it stops there. It doesn't <laughs> feel like, you know, we've, we've told no immigration of Ixodes <laughs> damage. welcome here. Yes. So, uh, but there is a rare case of um, Lyme disease that happens here. Most of the time we don't. Bob? Is that related to Rocky Mountain spotted fever that you can get from ticks? Um, that it is a different il- illness completely, and it is a different, different tick that carries it. The mm-hmm. typical tick is the common dog tick, Viralia, or, or um, I can't remember the name of the, I want to be impressive because, but, you know, yeah, I don't remember the name of the tick. <laughs> but the typical dog tick that we have here, everybody calls it a wood tick, but it's not a wood tick, it's a dog tick. That carries Rocky Mountain spotted fever, it carries tularemia, it carries a variety of other, you know, m- bad infections, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't carry uh, Lyme disease. Lyme disease is only carried by the Ixodes damini uh, tick, and we don't have Ixodes ticks for the most part in South Dakota except for the very careful Minnesota border, and every once in a while we'll find one of those Ixodes daminis, and they go, okay, well, you know, we have that tick in South Dakota. But it variety, the majority of the people who get uh, Lyme disease have been to Wisconsin or Minnesota traveling. And of course, many of us go to uh, Minnesota because it's so near. And there's some wonderful lakes there. Right. So um, what are the symptoms? That's the real question. Yes. And um, the classic first symptom is a tick and then a, a, um, a rash around the tick, a circular target lesion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you look at a red ring uh, where a tick b- bit you, or you find a red ring in your body, mm-hmm. uh, that's not a good sign. You don't want this little ra- round red ring, maybe a second red ring in the middle. Okay. Um, and uh, the second symptom is, of course, the major problem associated with um, Lyme disease, and that's an arthritis. The third thing is they can have neurologic problems, even seizures and, and weird neural changes. So... The major thing to realize is that if you see uh, a tick, you want to get rid of it. You don't want it on there. Uh, They're to be avoided. They Mm -hmm. carry infections. Uh, Whether it's a tiny little Ixodes damini tick or a big fat tick that's been drinking somebody's blood, you know, or a tiny little nymph dog tick, which is the size of a sesame seed. And the way to remove them is with a tweezers. And you, you don't squeeze the tick itself because then it'll inject its juices. You grab it at its attachment to the skin and you gently pull. You don't jerk it off. You don't pull hard. You, you have gentle pressure pulling gently until it goes, all right, I give up, and it lets go. Yeah, let's go. Um, so those are the symptoms. Um, and and realize that when people come to me mm-hmm. and they have had a tick bite, watch and wait. Many t- people who have had uh, Lyme disease didn't have any target lesion. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or even with a dog tick, they don't have any other symptoms until later. So if you're having the onset of some weird symptoms, fevers and aches and weaknesses and arthritic things and so on and so forth, get hold of your doctor. Uh, if people have a rash um, uh, from a tick bite, no question, I treat. Mm-hmm. And I treat uh, with uh, doxycycline, which is a, a old, used to be very cheap antibiotic and now for some reason, maybe the pharmaceutical industry, but I didn't say that. <laughs> the cost is a lot more. Even though we've proven that it's a good drug, it's available generically, it's, it should be cheap. Mm-hmm. So, so an antibiotic is it's the an antibiotic. Yep. for that. And that's the so typically we see, you typically see a ring, but, um, but I, I've heard from you and from others that often there's not a ring. So it's a really tricky thing to identify um, with Lyme disease. Yes. Okay. So that's when you have weird symptoms of, uh, and associated with fevers mm-hmm. in the summertime when the ticks are out and in children that have been running around the yard, mm-hmm. just in the yard. I mean, it's from the grass mm-hmm. in your mowed, manicured yard. Right. Or climbing trees and running around at the lake or whatever it might be. You know, you have to realize ticks are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. All right. Thank you for that great information. You are a wealth of information regarding many things, including all Dermacenter variabilis is the name of the dog tick. There it is. All right. Cha-ching. I remembered it. The chemo hasn't affected my brain brain quite yet. Doing good. Well, we need to take a break. Following these words from Avera Medical Group Brookings, Dr. Holm and I will be happy to discuss the medical issues of interest to you. Give us a call at 692-1430. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth filling in for Joan Hogan. We have Dr. Holm here in the studio. Happy to answer your questions. We've already learned quite a bit about fistulas, Lyme disease, floaters. So if you have additional questions, give <laughs> us a call at 692-1430. Do you want to ask me about my book? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about yeah. my book, absolutely. Well, I want to say that um, the book has been designed, re-edited, edited again, uh, re-edited again. I read it the fourth time a couple days ago. Yes. <laughs> we said yes to the people at Amazon with a few corrections. They're still making those few corrections, and then it will be available on Amazon. And in a couple of weeks, it'll be available as an you know as a ebook or a Kindle book. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's going to be available um, as a hardcover mm-hmm. uh, book. And I will have copies to sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll be signing them in various places in the in the city, and we'll announce those things. So we're we've got a book. I just hope it's good. That's the it is. Question. You know, um, preparing for today, Doctor Holm, you shared a chapter with me. So what did you read? Um, I loved it. I you read. Did. I did. I did. Oh, I um, so what did you? What chapter did I, I, did I forget? I believe chapter twelve. Oh, the one on dying. Uh, yes, the one on dying, which as I was reading, um, I was like, this isn't about dying. This is about living. <laughs> this is about living well. And and then as I looked at your table of contents, I see you get into that too in another chapter too. But um, I thought it was it was really well done. And um, 
for all of our listeners, you know, just like when we listen to Dr. Holm talking um, here on the radio or as we watch him on television or as we read his essays in the newspaper, he's so conversational, relatable. He tells us great stories. Um, so there's a lot to pick pick up for any of us. And I was kind of curious. I know you've been working on this. So I was curious if it would be more for like the medical person or who it would be for. But, um, you know, I really feel like anyone would benefit from listen, from reading that book, you know, as, as a I would definitely young person. Yes, absolutely. I um, but you're going to be taking care of parents. Yes, and uh-huh. you're trying to take care of yourself. Right? Yes, yes, and you are aging, even yes. though you're a very, very young person. Yes. Uh, you know, we are all aging at the same speed. I might add. Yeah, we just start. Some got a head start. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Bob. Jack London said you can't write about the things that you haven't lived. Did you yes. start writing this book before your diagnosis, I or did. You did, okay. But how did your diagnosis maybe change your overall perspective of this? Oh, um, so, I mean, I was talking, you know, somebody came up to me, one of the doctors uh, came up to me and said, uh, uh, Jeremy Byers said, you got to write a book about how to care for our parents as they go get old and die. Mm -hmm. You've got to write that book. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I started putting together essays that I'd written through the years, thinking I just it'll be an essay book. I'll just use the essays like I kind of did on my first book, because they're already written and they've been edited and edited a million times. And uh, everybody's told me, no, you don't want to do another edit uh, uh, essay book. You want to do chapters that have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I was really how to be a caregiver how to care for someone who is, you know, your spouse who is going through dementia, and mm-hmm. there's a whole chapter on dementia, uh, how to make ethical decisions about what's, you know, what's right or wrong. There's a whole chapter on ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it was how to care for somebody. But then as you're writing about how to care for somebody else, you're really writing about how to care for yourself, mm-hmm. how to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most, and we've got like two minutes. Yes. Laura, what, what, is, what do you think is the most important way uh, that science has proven to extend a person's life. How mm. do you reach longevity? What is the one thing that's been scientifically proven that, that makes a difference? Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer, but I've been hearing a lot about being connected to other people is really important. See, really. That's, there's, I think there are four components. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. One is being connected. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, the more spirits and lives that you are interacting with mm-hmm. and have compassion, actually walk in their moccasins, feel the sense their needs, uh, care about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that extends lives. There's proof of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, exercise is the most, uh, uh, I think, one of the most uh, important ways to add vigor to your life and enthusiasm and strength and, and take away depression. Um, and there's a spiritual component as well, that spiritual connection to the 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 mono god, you know, this the the center of the universe, whatever that is, and uh, and we all go to church on that one. But the the final one, the one that has really proven to improve increase lives by ten or twenty years, mm-hmm. is eating less. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying lose weight, mm-hmm. uh, because I think many people kind of establish their weight and not uh, not a thing they can do about that. I mean, they can get really sick and they can lose 20 pounds or go on these 
uh, deals, but in five years, they almost always gain it back. What I'm saying is we just need to eat less. Gotcha. Well, good wisdom. So in our book, we we have a lot of, um, in your book, you have a lot of wisdom about how to live well. Those are, those are good nuggets. So we hope you've enjoyed um, our Prairie Doc radio program today. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Bob. And stay out there.